This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Hanager Mines. Hanager Mines. We're an inbred mining community. Under the outdoor with the steamboats, ancient goblins and wild lords. Come at the grand line making a sound. The smell of death is on the rail. And at night when the cold wind Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, a double feature. The late night double feature feature show. 1981's My Bloody Valentine and 2009's My Bloody Valentine 3D. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about these. Kelsey, My Bloody Valentine is like, it's a, it's one of our, our fave old oldies, isn't it? Yes, but I hadn't seen it in a very long time, so I had forgotten a lot of it. All I really remembered was how much I loved it, and I was not disappointed when I watched it again. I was talking with our buddy Bob on Valentine's Day. He had mentioned how he was going to watch this original movie and how Harry Warden is one of his favorite unsung horror movie villains. <laughs> uh, so I thought that that was pretty neat and good timing. Just, well, that's why we made this episode this week. Yes. But before we get to my bloody Valentine, Kelsey, how about some slash cards? A recently deceased couple hires a bioexorcist to scare away the new owners of their house. Betelgeuse. In this 1988 film. Beetlejuice? Yes! <laughs> God. Betelgeist. I could have gone with a harder one that I didn't think you'd actually get. So I'm curious to ask it anyway just to see if you get it or not, but I'll go with this one instead. Okay. This one will do eventually, don't worry. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari takes place in what European country? Germany. That is correct. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you knew the name of the cat from Alien. The cat? Yes. Jinxie is the name of a cat from Oh, that's from Meet the Parents. <laughs> um Could you milk me, Greg? <laughs> Bootsy isn't right. You were really close with the first one. Jinx. I don't know. Jonesy or Jones. Jonesy. Is the only character to survive the three original alien movies. Because Sigourney Weaver. Spoiler alert, dies in the third movie. You just gave away a movie we have not done. <laughs> it's pretty famous that that happens. That's but the I David right, Fincher alien cubed. I was right in that they end with the E sound. Yeah, and starts with a J. Yeah. And that's why I said you're really close. All right, Kelsey, you want to tell the audience what the premise of My Bloody Valentine is? A guy was in a mine when it blew, it collapsed, and it was all because these two guys went to a Valentine's Day dance instead of staying behind to save them, make sure they got out okay. Make sure the, the mine was safe and they were doing their job. They left early and So he has a vendetta against all people who celebrate Valentine's Day, and he kills some people on Valentine's Day like a year later, 
And so they decide, okay, well, we're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna celebrate Valentine's Day anymore. And it used to be a huge deal because they live in the town of Valentine. Yeah. So cut to twenty years 20 later. Twenty years later, something like that. Nineteen, something like that. And they decide to have another Valentine's Day dance because fuck it. But then Harry Warden comes back. Yup. All right. Well, go ahead and watch this one. I'd recommend it. It's one, it's one of the classics. It is a greatly unsung classic horror movie, I feel. Uh, it's one of the good seasonal horror movies like Black Christmas. It is really silly. Yeah. You have to go into it knowing that. Yeah, keep an open mind. It's really dumb, but it's a lot of fun. It is so much fun to watch. My Bloody Valentine was directed by George Mihalka, written by Stephen A. Miller and John Beard. So go ahead and watch it, and when we get back, we will talk about 1981's My Bloody Valentine. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. In the town of Valentine Bluffs, there are many ways to die. Take your pick. My Bloody Valentine. Kelsey, why don't you walk us through the story? Like I said, it starts with the story of Harry Warden, and he was in a shaft, a mine shaft, when uh, it blew because these two guys went to uh, the Valentine's Day dance. And when they finally got him out, he had eaten people because he was going to starve. And so he went a little crazy, so they put him in a mental institution. And a year later, he gets out. And he goes and he kills those two guys. Yeah. And so they decide we're not going to celebrate Valentine's Day anymore. And we cut to like 20 years later. Something that's very odd is that at the very beginning of the film, we see that this person who's dressed in the mind garb I which suppose. by the way is awesome i love the helmet and the mask and the pickaxe it's such a great horror villain look it's yes. perfect i love it he's like having sex with some random girl and then like she takes off his mask and he's like Mm-mm, he's not having sex with her he's he's convinced her to come down into the mine to have sex right but he doesn't ever actually have sex with her right but he like takes off her her dress or whatever the fuck and then he ends up stabbing her through the heart who's that chick when did that happen so we meet our main characters we've got sarah who is going out with this guy named axel and then we also have tj so tj has come back Nobody's really. Did, did they explain where he went? He went off to L.A. to make it. Oh, that's on his right. Own. That's right. He had to make it on his own in L.A. I don't think he likes being back in the mine very much. Well, that's too bad. Nobody told him to go out to the West Coast. It's not my fault he couldn't make it on his own. But now that he's back here, he's my son and he's working in the mine. It's like, what, what the fuck were you trying to make it as a fucking actor? Like, I, I guess. But he doesn't make it and he has to come back. And so Sarah has moved on. So Sarah was in love with TJ until he just left her. And then when he gets back, he's like, I want her back. And it's like, (laughs) dude, you had your chance. But it's very clear from the get go that Sarah would rather be with him than with Axel. Right. But she's conflicted because she's with Axel now and she's committed to him. So good on her. She doesn't want to just dump him. 
So they're back to, he's back to working in the mines. His father owns the mines, TJ's father. And like all the, all the men in the town work in the, in the mine. And they're like taking showers together. And one of them goes, it'll be a hot time Saturday night. It'll be a hot time on Saturday night. Like very, very country, like, you know, very hick. And they, they keep that up throughout the film. And like I said, it's a very silly film. There's a lot of, like, silly music, very hick music. And they're definitely doing it on purpose. So they've got, like, a whole decorating committee for Valentine's Day. So, like, the entire town, it's a tiny town, is covered in hearts and cupids and all that kind of crap. It is the first tw- in 20 years. And then we have a Harbinger character who shows up and is like, Harbinger of Doom. Harry Warden's gonna come and kill you all. In this case, it's the bartender? I think so. Yeah, it's the bartender. And he's like telling the story of Harry Warden. Mm-hmm. It's a bad time. This time of year. There's bad things coming. My words you hear. Beware of the 14th. If you value your life. Here we go again. How many times is he going to tell us? Don't let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool. Every February 14th, Harry comes back to town. His pickaxe stained with blood. Waiting in the shadows of the Henniger mine. Just for someone to kill. Should they not heed his warning? It could be you. I know what I'm saying. You forget about having a party at all on Saturday night. Or you may not live to see daylight. <laughs> Laugh now. But you'd be sorry you didn't listen to me. Oh my gosh. And that we we meet like a whole cast of these characters. One of them, I can't remember his name. He's this goofball who does ridiculous stupid shit to make everybody laugh. One is this happy couple. Uh, the guy's kind of a bigger guy and uh she's like with a mustache. Yeah, and she's way too pretty for him. She's yeah, probably. but she's like the chubbier one of the girls, so like no, it's but anyway. she's she's talking to Sarah and she's like, you should see my dress. It's cut down to here, slid up to there. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Besides, you've got to see the dress I got. Cut down to here, slid up to there. I may not get out alive. <laughs> now you're imagining them having sex, aren't you? But Sarah is conflicted. She's like, I don't even know if I want to go to the dance. And her friend's trying to get her to tell, like, which one do you really want? Do you want Axel or do you want TJ? And it's very clear that she wants TJ. But she feels guilty, as Chris said. So she's like, I shouldn't go or whatever. Do you remember the first dead body we see? It's Mabel. So Mabel is the head of the decorating committee, and she also owns Madame Mabel's Laundrette. Yes. And she has kind of a flirting relationship with the sheriff. The sheriff, that's right. Or Chief Newby, I think was his name. And she thinks that she's gotten a valentine from him because she gets this big box of what she thinks is going to be chocolates. But she opens it up to find... A human heart. Yeah. And then she freaks out and... She ends up being... We don't see what happens. Right. But the chief or the mayor, one of the two shows up 
and doesn't know what's going on, but finds some of the heart decorations turned upside down, <laughs> and he follows them to a well. There's only one going dryer that's on, and he can hear it thump. Yeah. Thump. Thump. And then it thumps open and her body comes out and it is so badly burned from being in this industrial dryer. I actually wrote Jesus Mabel in the dryer gruesome. I, like it was real gruesome. I wrote, oh, my God, the dead body body flopping about. <laughs> yeah, because because the dryer is still going when the door opens up because they don't just immediately stop. Mm -hmm. And so she still kind of spins around a little bit. And it's it's like crazy graphic <laughs> it's a fantastic effect i i i love this moment in the movie it's it, so good it is pretty grotesque but it's also 80s grotesque which means that it doesn't look real but it's it's pretty good i'd say she doesn't get the heart in the box it's the chief who gets the heart in the box when he sees them setting up the dance or whatever and he gets the heart and he says, it can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. That's him and the mayor or whatever. And they don't find Mabel until like the next morning. Oh. Was this movie made in Canada? Uh, yes, actually it was. Because so, they've got some real Canadian accents. <laughs> yeah, it was filmed at the Sydney Mines in Nova Scotia. Okay. Um, Why set it in America then? Well, because it's supposed to be. It's just they chose this specific location because it looked like run down and rustic. Okay. And so when the city got chosen for this and they had like the mines and everything like that, they spent some 50 grand to refurbish them. Uh-huh. To to spruce it up for the filmmakers to come in. Uh -huh. And they're like, "Oh my god, what did you do? <laughs> we chose this place specifically because it looked run down." And so the production company spent another 75 grand to re, like to unfurbish it. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Did they fix it after? I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> well. Anyway, so they're at the bar, and, or I think they're at the bar. He's having whatever. He's having a conversation with Axel, and he's telling him, you know, they're fighting over her essentially. Yeah. And he's just like, it ain't your turn to watch over her or something like that. Yeah, you had your chance kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and they're talking about her as if she's a thing, and it's yeah. it's really upsetting. Because well, they're macho men fighting over a woman. It's like animals in the wild. I know, but it's really upsetting. It's just like, Jesus Christ, she's not a thing. At least it's not as bad as In the Dead of Night. Oh, my God. Where she's actually sitting there letting them decide who gets her. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, could you guys just figure this out already? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with whichever one of you can agree. So then we we see the, the girlfriend, Sarah, actually stick up for herself. And she says, I have my own mouth. Why don't you both back off? Which is pretty great. Yeah, it kind of makes up for the earlier stuff. Right. I mean, there were multiple scenes. Like, it wasn't just that one. Like, they right. they do talk about her a lot as but if she's not there. But she gets to a breaking point. Yeah, yeah. She finally just says, why don't you both back off? It's uh -huh. pretty great. And then when she leaves, so we should say this. So the dance gets canceled. 
Yeah. What do they decide to do? They decide to throw their own renegade dance at the mines. Which just... Well, it's their it's their place of work. It's fucking dangerous TJ's is what it is. dad owns the place. Right. Like, and I he guess has he d- the keys. I guess they do say no women in, or in, no women in the mine. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, they're going to have sexist. it in, they're having it in, like, the mess house or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's above yeah. ground, but then they decide to go down. Yeah. Down. I kind of love, though, that when she says that, why don't you both back off and she walks away, Axel gets pissed, and I think he he says something, or he's gonna go after her. And TJ actually sticks up for her. He's like, "Let her go. Like, if you know, she can do what she wants to do." And I know that you could read into that as him, like, "Oh, she, she, yeah." By default, she's already with me, so right. Knock you it could off. totally read yeah. it into it that way, or you can take the nicer way, which is how I take it, of him being like. She does. She's right. She should be allowed to make her own decision. But of course, he knows. We know. She knows. <laughs> she wants TJ. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then we see a couple uh, go into where they keep their suits, I guess. Do you know if that's a real thing? I assume it is. That they keep them up above? I imagine so. It's a weird way to do it. They hang it all in one place. But so we have this couple and they're hooking up under where all their uh, suits are hanging above them in the ceilings. And she asks, you know, how do you get them down? And he's like, oh, just pull on this chain, right? And she pulls on the chain and the outfit falls above her. From above her, yeah. Showing us... That you need to be directly underneath the suit to make it come down. Which means that what happens next can't be true. It can't happen. So she dies down there. I don't remember how. It's been it's been too long. I she gets her head impaled on the shower head. Okay. He carries her into the shower room and slams her head against it, and so th- so it's coming out of her mouth. That's right, because then the dude comes down, and he's like, all right, because he thinks they're going to have sex in the shower, yeah. and then he finds her dead body down there. So cut to our main characters. So we've got the chubby guy and his girlfriend and Sarah. And Sarah is really upset because the two guys were talking about her as if she was an object. And so... The girl, her friend, says, hey, why don't we go down in the mines? That'll get your mind off of it, and we'll have some fun. And the chubby guy's like, oh, no, that is not a good idea. That is super dangerous. And, of course, the girlfriend gets her way. And TJ catches them going down, and he's like, no women in the mine. And, of course, they're like, we want to go. Screw you. We're going to go. What's interesting is that... The, the dude, the boyfriend, is like, we probably shouldn't go down there. And he eventually gets talked into it. By the women, yeah. And then they're like, hey, let's bring some beers. And he's like, yeah. And it's like, well, like, we're going anyway. Might as well have a blast. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, okay, so it was already dangerous enough. Now we're just going to get uh-huh. alcohol involved. Yep. Okay, cool. So then who gets killed by the nail gun? Is that the boyfriend? Yeah. I don't know. All I remember about the nail gun is that it was nuts. It was a nutso scene. It was super graphic. This movie is very graphic 
for its time. Well, that's the other thing is that it was so graphic that the MPAA took out a bunch of scenes. So in the version that we got, it was the re-released version where they had found sometime in the 2000s, they had found the old film that they took out of the original that the MPAA originally edited out. So in the original version, there's a lot of cutaways. We see something about to happen and then we see the aftermath of it. It does that a lot. So in the version that we saw this time, that was in the version we saw for the first time. In the version we saw this time, it has all that stuff put back in and there's very noticeable grain on those scenes and the lighting's a little bit different because they only had one source. It was from the reel that the MPAA cut up and it wasn't like well taken care of or anything like that. So you can tell when it cuts to this old footage that they put back in and it is the most gruesome stuff. Really like violent shit. It's like very the nails graphic. in that guy's face and, and stuff like that. It's if you can see that version, I would recommend you do. It's yeah. really interesting, especially to know when you're watching it. Oh, this is what they cut. Oh, wow. I can see why they cut this. <laughs> I mean, like like I said earlier, it is the 80s. Like, it's not... You, you never are thinking you're seeing something real, right? But it's still really graphic, and it's interesting, and it's different, and it's I, shocking. I think the film grain and the shitty quality of the actual film makes it look a little more real. <laughs> you know, because you don't see everything as clearly as you see uh, the other stuff. That's right. So Howard, Howard is the goofball, right? And he comes down with them or he comes down later, whatever. It ends up being the couple, TJ and Axel end up coming down when they find out that scary shit's happening because of... uh, Harry Warden? Well, they think it's Harry Warden because the dude whose girlfriend died in the... Hollis. Hollis. His girlfriend, Sylvia, remember her name... Um, because he shouted it so many times. Uh, he he comes and tells everybody like Harry Warden is back. So TJ and Axel go down to the mine, and I think Howard must have gone with them originally or something. Or Howard comes down there to scare them or something. I don't know. But what ends up happening is the couple, so the boyfriend and. TJ and Axel all like separate at one point and they leave Howard with the girls to save them. And I remember thinking like, really? You're going to put the goofball there to watch them? Why wouldn't you want TJ to watch them? Why wouldn't you want the boyfriend to watch them? They'd probably be able to help them out a lot more than Howard would. And then my suspicion ends up being correct. So they're standing there and he basically ditches them. He runs away because he gets scared. And they're like, Howard, you bastard. Howard, you bastard. He's dead now. Come on. You can't leave us like this. That's pretty great. So then the it girlfriend. Becomes... So the girl that was killed in the Sylvia. shower is Sylvia. Sylvia. Patty is the girlfriend of Hollis. So Hollis is the chubby is the, guy. Is the chubby guy. Yeah. Uh, there's. So who's there's Sylvia's Mike. boyfriend? Mike or John? I don't remember. Dave? It doesn't matter. Tommy? Chief newbie? So, Hollis ends up getting killed, which sends... Howard. Patty oh. 
into hysterics. Yeah, because her boyfriend died. And it's to the point where it's like she won't leave him behind, even though the person that they think is Harry Warden is coming after them. Yeah. And they're like, we got to go. We got to go now. And she basically rips her friend off. It, it becomes very much like the Poseidon adventure. If you've ever seen the Poseidon adventure. Years and years and years ago. Well, she she basically becomes the blonde chick from the Poseidon adventure who's just crying and hysterical and mm. slowing everybody down and putting them in more danger because she won't get it together. Or like that one chick in Red Christmas, the pregnant one. Yes. When her boyfriend or husband dies and she slightly more understandable because she's pregnant and yeah. pregnancy fucks with you uh-huh. <laughs> but still yeah. uh yeah very much so so they're like convincing her to go up this long ladder yeah and what she a great ke- moment well that's straight out of poseidon adventure okay they're going up the ladder and the girl stops and she won't move and uh-huh. the people are like well you need to fucking move because i'm behind you you yeah. know like, uh-huh. um that kind of stuff but then harry warden so he's up there and he's like throwing things at them or something that for some reason they have to go back down uh-huh. and the the girlfriend ends up dying anyway i don't remember how she died Probably a pickaxe, I'm sure. And they think that Axel is dead because they can't find him anywhere. And TJ is just like, it's too late for Axel, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Well, because they're being chased just like when they wanted Patty to run, but she couldn't because she was hysterical about her boyfriend. It's more important that you get out alive. He's doing the same thing. It's like, well, we can't stop because we're worried about him we need to get out of here <laughs> but it's very convenient for tj oh yeah it just happens to be that my competition uh <laughs> he's like stubs his toe ow my toe ah, it's too late for axel <laughs> then we then we find out that it's actually axel and we get this amazing exposition out of nowhere yeah uh-huh. we like get this flashback to the fact that one of the guys who was killed by harry warden was killed in front of his son and his son happens to be axel and apparently it that fucked drove with axel crazy. there's a lot of stories out there about somebody who is a survivor of a killer so then they become a copycat mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that that's the plot to American Psycho 2 <laughs> with What's-Her-Face from that 70s show uh, and Black Swan. What's her name? Anyway, I'm pretty sure that that's the plot of that movie. I didn't know she was in American Psycho 2. She is the main character of American oh, Psycho 2. God. Yeah. Okay. It's one of her early pieces. I never actually saw it. <laughs> and then when they uncover... So Axel basically gets like caved in. Mm-hmm. and she goes to like hold his hand because she thinks he's dead and there's this harrowing music that starts up and then he he cuts off his arm and runs into the mine well he cuts off his arm because the collapse right the he's mine stuck. collapsed again and he's and he's stuck so he just physically cuts off his arm and he runs cackling off into the mine i love that scene it is so good it is really good it's the so last cheesy line is and awesome he, and he's just like be my valentine my bloody valentine <laughs> <laughs> i'll be waiting in hell for you <gasps> harry harry i'm coming this whole fucking town is going to die 
We're coming back, you bastards! <laughs> Sarah, be my bloody Valentine. <laughs> Daddy, gone away. Harry Ward made you It's really great. I tried to get through that as quickly as possible. I also didn't understand most of my notes. <laughs> but it's it's so much fun. I love yeah. to watch this movie. And I didn't remember like anything about the story. But it's just it's silly, it's funny, it's gruesome. Yeah. I love slashers, 80s movies. Totally. And this one is just all over the place, and I love it for that. Right. If you want to catch up on the <laughs> 80s slasher zeitgeist, this, although more obscure, is one of those movies. It's It totally belongs up there with all the other late 70s, early 80s slasher movies like Friday the 13th. Speaking of Friday the 13th, this movie takes place on the 14th. <laughs> on a Saturday. On a Saturday. That's so funny. I never thought about that. Yeah, the movie starts on a Thursday and ends on a Saturday. And so the day in between, which I think is the day that Mabel dies, is Friday the 13th. Lightning round? That, that seems like a good intro to lightning round. That's all I've got. Okay. Really? Okay, I only have a few other little things. That was actually one of them. That fucking neckerchief. That TJ wears, he wears an actual neckerchief. You know, like a handkerchief that you tie around your neck. Yeah, I know what it is. I just, I don't remember him wearing one. I can't believe you don't remember him wearing it. Please tell me that they have a photo of it. Also, I should mention, he looks just like the guy from Dark City. Yes, we both commented on that. <laughs> Kelsey was like... <laughs> who does he remind me of and immediately i was like the guy from dark city she's like yes that's exactly who it is and uh i had to look it up because i couldn't remember his name i have to look it up again now. but they look a lot alike it's weird rufus sewell so that's pretty great uh, yeah, he looks exactly like him. Like, look it up, and you get, like, a. I don't know what Rufus Sewell is, if he's just British or what. <laughs> Let's find out. He is British. So, if you think, like, a Canadian version of Rufus Sewell, that's, that's who this guy is. Come here. Remember, he's wearing a button-up <laughs> denim shirt, open in the chest, and he's wearing a blue neckerchief tied around his no, he's literally wearing a handkerchief like that the Crips and the Bloods wear out of their back pocket, but around his neck. Right, but doesn't that make it a mascot? No, it's a neckerchief. There's a reason it's called a neckerchief. Then what is a mascot? An ascot is like a tie that's like billowy and it comes out like this. Oh. You put like a pin in it. It's a, it's another type of tie. Like there's a bow tie, there's a straight tie, there's that a what, uh, ascot. The blonde guy from Scooby-Doo? Yes. I think it depends on, on which version. Because I think in some versions, he wears a neckerchief. <laughs> What's his name? Um, Fred. Fred. No joke. When I was little, I couldn't think of him without thinking of bread. 
like that's how early my association with scooby-doo is is when like i only knew about a hundred different things and one of those things was bread and then i i saw scooby-doo and when i heard fred probably the first time i ever heard the name fred so i immediately associated it with bread and now forever my entire life when somebody asks me about that character, I go, Bread. Fred. His name is Fred. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> that happens in my head. It's very specific. <laughs> it is. I know. All right. That is really, really annoying. It's something to laugh at, and it's great 80s mining town fashion. <laughs> there is a really touching, like, tragic moment when chief newbie gets the mail or gets a letter and he opens it up and it's from mabel it's from mabel it's a valentine card from mabel it's really sad like it was genuinely touching like i was so sad because you really love mabel and <laughs> you're really her for like 10 minutes <laughs> Well, she dies pretty early on, but you see her in several scenes and all the kids love her and they mess with her, but they, you know, everyone gets along and, and she's really, really nice. She's a famous actress, isn't she? I've seen her before. She doesn't even show up on the primary cast list. Patricia Hamilton. You probably know her from the 1985 Anne of Green Gables and Road to Avonlea. Who was she? Uh, Rachel Lind. Yep. And Anne of Green Gables, the sequel. Yeah, she was in many different Anne of Green Gables things, including the TV movie Anne of Green Gables, A New Beginning, playing the same character. So she was in the animated TV series as the same character. So she's Rachel Lind. Okay. Yeah. I love Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, it's this weird thing about Kelsey. She really loves Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> We have an Anne of Green Gables wind chime. And. And a doll. And. And what else? The little thing in the in the window. Oh, a. Um, stained glass Like a stained thing. glass. Yeah. So that's all I had to say about My Bloody Valentine. Kelsey, what do you think its Rotten Tomato score is? I'm going to say 83. 50%. What? Yeah, it only has 12 ratings. On That's Rotten Tomatoes, crazy. six of them are bad. Six of the six of them are good. Yeah, it's really weird how underexposed this movie is. But they made a remake. Yeah, probably because not to bank on the original, but because it's original source material, they can get people who like the original, and then everyone else isn't going to know it's a remake. That's crazy. Yeah, it is super good. It is. It's really good. It's it's incredibly underrated. Kelsey, what would you give it? Oh, an 85. I would give it a 78. I can see that. I was going back and forth between late 70s, early 80s. But I don't know. And not to say that it's like a great movie. It's not. It's No, it's fun. Yeah. Though. It's a lot of fun and It's very competent, I will say. Especially yeah. when you get the murder scenes back in it. Like there's skill here. It's yeah. early. It's 81, so it's relatively early in the slasher genre. Uh, you know, it took a while to get really ramped up into the 80s. So, And the deaths are pretty varied. Yeah. I would say. For inventive. a thing that takes place entirely in a mining setting by a guy with a pickaxe, 
there's some surprising variety in the deaths. Yeah. And you end up loving TJ, even though you probably shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of one of those like loner, <laughs> leave me alone type <laughs> dudes. <laughs> Tried to make it on my own and I had to come back. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> He's one of those types, but from 1981. And the first time I saw this, they really shocked me that it was Axel. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. You know, you are you kind of are led down the path that it's TJ, but you also tell yourself like it's way too obvious that it would be TJ, but you don't really think about Axel, and then it ends up being him, and it's, it's I think funny. it's a great twist. It's funny that you say that considering the next movie we're going to be talking about. Yes. <laughs> Which is 2009's My Bloody Valentine Friday. <laughs> Kelsey. Yes. What's this one about? Oh, wait, before we get there. Slash cards. Yep. Go ahead. Name four horror movies about witches or witchcraft. Four? Mm-hmm. Jesus. The Vavitch. <laughs> the Conjuring. The Witches of Eastwick. It's not a horror movie. It's a horror comedy. It's about witches. Really? Okay, fine. Are we going to do that on our show? Okay, fine. Then in that case, I'll say the family horror movie Hocus Pocus. <laughs> and, oh, Rosemary's Baby. There it is. So you said two of the witch movies that we've watched. Yeah. Uh-huh. I expected you to say all four of the ones that we've watched. What, what are the other two? The Witches. Which one was that? Oh, right. The Disney, or not the Disney one, but the, uh, yeah. Roald Dahl. The Roald Dahl one. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. Dick. Okay. <laughs> and? Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, you said all four. I, you said I did two. Oh, both of the Rosemary's Baby. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's really interesting. What are the ones it recommends? Haxon, Witchcraft Through the Ages, which is on our list. It's on our list. We'll get to it. The Craft. Oh, shit. The Craft. Is that on our list? It's not on our list. You got to put it on our I, list, Kelsey. I will Kelsey. add it. Okay. I will add it. Black Sunday. That's on our list. Uh-huh. And I don't know what year this was made. Because I don't Just think- Just a couple years ago. I don't think this- I don't think The Witch had come out yet. So they must or be talking- just about- came out. Maybe they were talking about a different movie. Suffice it to say that I don't think The Witch is a horror movie. Sure it is. It has mood. It has atmosphere. Absolutely. For days it does. There ain't nothing scary about it. It depends on who you are and what you're scared of. I don't think The Village is scary, but that's a horror movie. I wouldn't call that a horror movie. Your definition of horror is way too fucking narrow. <laughs> Just because there are sub-genres and you can put it into a sub-genre doesn't mean it's not a horror movie. If it never scared me, it's not a horror movie. Or if it's not My Bloody Valentine like type stuff. Uh-huh. That's slasher very movie. Slasher. Right? That's what I'm saying. You're, you, you're focused on one specific sub-genre. There's more than just slasher movies, and you need to open up to that. I'm pretty fucking open. There's, what is Dead of Night? I would say that's a horror because of its time period. You've got to take that into consideration. Oh, that you'll take into consideration. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> I, I'm the one that said Beetlejuice. 
Yeah. Oh, that you'll take into consideration. Because it scared me when I was a kid. But not the witch. Something that's literally about witches and people getting murdered and Satan. It's not a horror movie. I just don't remember much. I, I really liked that movie. It was just kind of boring. Yeah. It is. It, I mean, it's all about you needing to stay engaged. It's about atmosphere. Right. So if you're not engaged, and it's really hard because we saw it in the theater and you couldn't understand a word that they were saying because they were <laughs> like speaking this early American English and it's hard to make out what it is that they're saying mm -hmm. if you don't have subtitles. So I think I'd like to see it again with subtitles. Well, I might enjoy it, it on, more. We can put it on the list. Okay. My question for you. I might have to change this up now. Okay. I'll just ask it. A mother contacts two renowned paranormal investigators after something in her new farmhouse attacks her daughters. The investigators find a malignant presence in the house and risk their lives to destroy it in this 2013 film. The Conjuring. What? What are the odds? Now, do you <laughs> notice how I let you finish the question? I knew it way before you were done. I let you go through it. Yeah, well, I'll finish it. It's like Jeopardy. You can chime in early. You just don't get the rest of the question read. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex is like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Let me finish the question. And he likes it when they get it wrong. He does. <laughs> oh, oh, can I finish the question now? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next film in our double feature. The late Two thousand nine's My Bloody Valentine 3D, Kelsey. So this movie is virtually the same premise as the original, except when the initial murders happen, when they're committed by Harry Warden, our main characters are already workers in the mine. So less time passes. Other than that, the premise is exactly the same. Kelsey, do you think this is a must watch? I mean, we've already seen it. So do you do you think this is something that people should watch? I could skip it. Yeah. I could do without having have seen it. But if you're really into to 3D horror movies, like Friday the 13th Part oh, yeah. 3. There is a lot. Jaws 3D. There's a lot of 3D There's a shit. lot of that in there. This was and at the height of when 3D movies were in. We're coming back, yeah. And it is super gory, like excessively gory. It so. Is. If you're into that, lots of blood everywhere and lots of gore, uh -huh. then go ahead and see it. It's it's fun, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so listen to this trailer first, and when we come back, we'll talk about 2009's My Bloody Valentine 3D. Exactly what did you see? Something was following us. horrific event this town has ever seen. Authorities are calling this the Valentine's Day Massacre. In the town of Harmony, something unexplainable Hello? is happening. Come here, you better check this out. What is it? This January, <laughs> prepare to witness What do you want? The most frightening <laughs> 3D motion picture event to tear through the screen. My Bloody Valentine 3D. 
Nothing says date movie like a 3D ride to hell. Kelsey? Yes? Let's talk about My Bloody Valentine 3D. Let's do it. What'd you want to say? So, they changed this one a tiny bit. He, Harry Warden, instead of eating people because he was dying, killed people because he needed their air. Yeah. So that's a difference there. Uh Uh-huh. And it happens much closer to modern day. Yes. We know that our guy, TJ, who's now Tom, and Axel and all of them are actually already in the mines when the first Harry Warden attack happens. He wakes up from his coma, kills everyone in the hospital, and then goes back, and the kids are already having their party in the mines, and that's when he comes in and attacks all these kids and kills these kids. It does so right in front of Tom. And almost kills Tom, but... He gets shot by the sheriff, mm-hmm. and he runs away. And there's another collapse, I think, at this point, and so they can't get to him. And they, quote-unquote, never find the body. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it has that moment where, which is pretty much a dead giveaway, and I didn't want to believe it, for reasons we'll get into, but... It seems pretty obvious from the get-go that they're setting up Tom to be the new Harry Warden instead of Axel. Because Harry Warden gets shot right as he's about to kill Tom, and he gets his blood all over his face, and he's obviously... PTSD. Yeah, he's like shell-shocked by this stuff. And they lay it on a little thick at this point, but... I even wrote, why would you want to ruin such a great twist? Yeah, totally. The only reason I come up with is because, well, everyone who's already seen Bloody My Bloody Valentine is expecting it to be Axel. But as we discussed, it's not exactly a huge film. It's not a movie that a ton of people have seen, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point. I wrote here, Tom is obviously disturbed by it. He didn't want to go in the first place. Looking to make him the new killer, I think. But that seems obvious. Maybe that means it's Axel again. So you can see I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't be so obvious with it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you thought it was going to be Axel because you've seen the original. But then, like you say, not a lot of people have seen the original. So what would be the point of turning that on its head? This movie is also filled with much more blood and gore. Oh, my God, the gore. So right away, you get... There, okay, so there's a really intense intro with newscasts and newspaper clippings and stuff telling the story of how Harry wound up in a coma. And it's all supposed to be coming at you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because you're watching it in 3D. There's 3D. a lot of that. Listen, we're not sure what caused the collapse. Our boys were working the north end of Turtle Find when she gave. But I can assure you, we here at the Hanniger Mines are doing everything in our power to get them out alive. We have to remember, it was a This morning at around 5 a.m., we recovered five bodies and one survivor. Harry Harry Gordon was the only survivor. When he arrived at the county hospital, he was the solution. Five miners who died were all killed by the blunt force of a pickaxe. 
not the cave-in. There's no accident who killed those men. It was Harry Warden. He murdered those miners buried alive with him to conserve his own goddamn air. Evidence suggests Harry killed each of them with a pickaxe. Blood was found on Harry Warden's pickaxe. Look, chances are very slim that Warden will ever come out of his coma. So God doesn't waste any miracles on Harry Warden. And then right away, he wakes up from his coma. We don't see any of it, but there is just blood and gore everywhere mm-hmm. around this hospital. And the first kill we really get to see Harry Warden kill is a pickaxe to the back of the head that makes that an eye pop pops out. the eye out of the head. And it's like, oh, it's a 3D movie. Just like in Friday, Friday the, the 13th, 13th part 3D. three, which is the 3D one. Just like Jaws 3 was the 3D one. <laughs> God, remember Jaws 3? Nope, never seen it. It happens in SeaWorld and I can't believe they got away with it being <laughs> in SeaWorld. <laughs> so... Yeah, and the intro also didn't say anything about Valentine's Day. There isn't a lot of Valentine's stuff going on here, except for, like, there is a heart in a heart-shaped box. Right. And- when After he's killed a bunch of people in the coma, after he got out of the coma, the, the sheriff says, Happy fucking Valentine's Day, right? Happy fucking Valentine's Day. And then yeah. they open up the heart-shaped box, and there's a heart inside. Right. But, like... That's kind of all the Valentine's Day stuff. The the town I don't even think is called Valentine Bluffs, nope. like in the original. Nope. I feel like they didn't lean hard enough on the Valentine stuff. You think? Yeah. I, I mean, it's not, it's not a big part of the film. Yeah. So, like, why call it My Bloody Valentine? Because it's the whole mining thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't you can't take that premise and not call it My Bloody Valentine. Sure, you can. You can call it mining. For blood, or something like that. <laughs> oh, he painted hearts. That's a, that's one of the things he did. He painted hearts on the wall or on the mirror in the hospital. But like they don't like it doesn't. It plays a huge part in the original, and mm-hmm. there's like nothing to be said beyond that stuff. And it's like, oh, he could just have an obsession with hearts. You know, the idea of Valentine's Day doesn't really enter into it that much. Interestingly, though, Tom is Dean from Supernatural, and we recently saw Sam from Supernatural <laughs> in the remake to Friday the 13th. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, it was, it was a neat little thing. They're both in these And they both came out in 2009. Yeah. So they were, they were making the rounds. <laughs> the sheriff is Tom Atkins. That's the lead from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Six more days till Halloween, Silver Shamrock. <laughs> but the other thing is that uh, there is an episode of Supernatural called My Bloody Valentine. Is there really? Yeah. Kelsey and I started watching Supernatural because I've said in the past I've never seen it. And so we started watching it. It's in the first season. And for all you people that have seen it and love it or know about it or whatever, I got to say this first season, really cheesy. But, but it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I like it. I like the premise. And I think we're going to continue to watch it. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. There's like 147 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if we'll get through it all. <laughs> so then it cuts to 10 years later. So they're all a little older than they were in the original as well. They're probably like 30 or so in in modern day for this movie. And here's what's changed in those 10 years. The sheriff 
Uh, Tom Atkins, he's retired now. And Axel is the new sheriff. Tom ran off not to make it on his own in, in the, on the West Coast, but because he didn't want to live there anymore. He didn't want to be around. Traumatized. Exactly. And so he left. We find out later exactly what was happening when he left. Uh, but he comes back after his father dies and he has plans to sell the mine because he has majority share now. We his father passed away. We haven't said about anything about Sarah yet. So him, Tom and Sarah are together at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And Axel's with another lady. But then when Tom gets back, Axel is now married to Sarah and has and a kid. And they have a kid, And yeah. the kid's pretty old, which tells us that th- she probably got married pretty quickly after pretty quickly. Axel. Well, I mean, after Tom left. Because we hear her say that... Axel was there Axel for her. Axel was there for her. But like, yeah... Because Tom was going to get murdered. Like, I'm sorry. It's not like he ran off without you or anything like that. He stuck around to protect people. And y'all left him in the cave to be murdered. <laughs> and Axel's the one that was there for you? <laughs> like, <laughs> But Axel Axel's cheating, cheating on her. her. Yeah, with one of Sarah's own employees. We find out later that Sarah knows. Yeah, she has an, an inkling. And she doesn't seem to care. No, but so you might you might notice that we're talking a lot about story elements. That's because I actually have written here. There is way too much to follow this early in (laughs) In the first 15 minutes of the movie. It's just exposition, exposition, exposition. (laughs) There's even a murder spree, two of them in the first 15 minutes of this movie. And there's still way too much exposition. They're like, we're going to point out to you all the ways this is different from the original. (laughs) And I don't know if it's just because. We've seen the original, and we're trying to associate elements of this film with the original, so all the differences really stand out to us, or if it really is that exposition heavy. And the secret lover is pregnant. Oh, God, they do that thing. And she is an idiot. That's I, Valentine's Day right there, because he get, she gets him a gift and, for Valentine's Day, and then he says, I didn't get you anything, and she says, yes, you did. I am. I didn't get you anything. You don't need to. You already have. Yeah, and we're like, oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and then she whispers that she's pregnant. And she's all super excited about it. And, <sighs> okay, we're just going to get this out of the way. I'm just going to say it real quick. If you are having an affair with somebody who is married, <laughs> they do not want you to get pregnant. You might be excited because it means they're going to leave their wife and be with you forever now. But that's probably not going to happen, especially since he has a kid already with this other woman and he's cheating on her with you. So obviously he's not a good guy. And what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. And you're probably going to wind up dead. (laughs) So just, you know, ladies and men too, whatever. Keep it in mind. We also see that Tom is really traumatized because he takes medication. And they do it in such a way that makes it seem like like he's a little bit sympathetic. Like he's really harmed by this. He's not like crazy kind of guy or anything like that at this point in the movie. He's just really hurting mentally. Yes. And have, struggling to, to deal with what's happened in his past. And so we see him taking the pills and it's almost like, oh man, this guy really has it rough. Yes. You know, they're setting it up. Also, they haven't aged at all in 10 years. 
Yeah. I would love to not age. Well, that's in why 10 they didn't years. really show them that much. <laughs> I mean, they showed them in that one scene, but they didn't show them in the first part where uh, Harry Warden. Right. His origin story, they don't really show them in that one. We only hear them talk. Then we see the original girlfriend of Axel. Yeah. Sleeping with a trucker. Who is the writer, by the way. <laughs> so he got a great part. I'm going to write myself into this. I'm going to be the guy that sleeps with the chick. Kind of romantic in a sick kind of way, isn't it? And then gets a pickaxe in the head. He's recording it, which is... All right, it's a plot element. They do something with it. So, okay. And he's a dick, and she chases after him with a gun. Totally naked. But ass naked, except... Shoes. For shoes. Heels. She's wearing her heels, but she's completely naked otherwise. So, this is... It could be apocryphal, but apparently she was supposed to be wrapped up in a bed sheet. Uh-huh. But it kept causing problems and blowing away and getting in the way. So the actress herself is just like, can I just do this naked? <laughs> wow. I cannot verify that, but it's a story I read. It's kind of awesome because she's just like, fuck you, and gets her gun, and she's going to totally take him down, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, it's totally like, and here's our naked chick running around outside. Yeah. Uh, and then there's kind of just a lot of stuff that happens. Tom runs into Sarah, and they obviously still care about each other, and... Well, but first I want to... So what happens with the whole running out naked thing... Oh, right, yeah. The trucker ends up getting killed by who we think is Harry Warden, and my immediate question is, why would he want to kill these people? They have nothing to do with... What happened? I mean, unless you consider the fact that the girlfriend was there. Well, we're okay. We're, we're just going to say it because we're after the trailer. Tom is the new Harry Warden. Right. Not Axel this time. And he's there at that motel. Yeah. He, so, and we know that. And they set that up. And because they make it so obvious that it's a setup, you're supposed to think it's not him. Yeah. Oh, you're supposed to feel bad. Oh, no. They're going to think it's him. Right. But it actually is him. But, like, why would he want to kill them? Because it's what he does. He's a murderer now. Uh, she was there. It has kind of like a Final Destination vibe to it. Um, a little bit. Where he needs to like finish up the kills. <laughs> and so he's going to kill her. Also, it has the added benefit of making Axel look guilty because it's like his ex-girlfriend. True. So anyway, he, he kills the trucker and the ex-girlfriend. But the camera's still rolling and he doesn't know that it's there. And that's a key bit of evidence because they know, oh, Harry Warden's back. And then they run the videotape more and you can see Tom walk by the window while they're having sex. Um, but it's like. We we're supposed to think he was there because he was he needed a place to stay. We know it just happened to be that they were there. Right. Yeah. So I guess he just took the opportunity to do it. I don't know. So then we get a bar fight scene, and the old sheriff is like, everybody stand down, goddammit, because they're fighting. Uh-huh, and he's like, this is the second time I saved your life. Yeah, and everybody blames Tom for what happened. Still, it's absurd to blame him for Harry Warden killing right, a bunch of people. he's not the killer. Yeah, like, yeah, he made a mistake, but he did not mean to kill people. Harry Warden meant to kill people. Right. It's really strange. 
So there's also an attack at the grocery store where Sarah works. Harry Warden shows up there and it's very convenient that Axel shows up after Harry, the Harry Warden character disappears. Felt very much like Scream. Yeah, very. Yeah, Kelsey pointed that out while we were watching. It felt like Skeet Ulrich climbing in the window and scaring Nev Campbell. It felt just like that. And we all know what happens in Scream. Yeah. So it felt very much like that. Plus, it kills like four birds with one stone. If it is actually Axel, it gives him an alibi. Oh, he was there to save her. So mm-hmm. he couldn't be Harry Warden. It kills the mistress. <laughs> it takes care of the baby problem. Mm-hmm. And it looks good that he's there to rescue Sarah. Mm-hmm. So it's like four birds why, you know, it looks good for Axel. And even though we know it's not Axel, that Axel's not the killer. And so he it really is just good for him. Like, I still fucking hate the guy. Like, you don't like him. We should also mention that he's giving his wife, Sarah, a hard time because she was like... Still into Tom? Right. I mean, slightly. They, they, you know, it's obviously very different from the original. In the original, it's very clear that Sarah wants to be back with TJ. Whereas in this, it's like, yeah, she cares about him. And you can't and hold that against for people. for 10 years. And like, like, I still care about my exes. You can't... What? You can't hold that against people, right? But he gives her so much shit just for talking to him. Yeah. And he's fucking around. No, Axel is a grade A asshole. Yeah, he really is. And that's one of the problems with this is if he's not the killer, then and and he's the one showing up with the gun and he's the one who's making all these sacrifices, they kind of make him the hero. But he's a grade A asshole. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what, we don't have any heroes except for Sarah. She doesn't do much but run from the guy. So it there's like no heroes in this. And and I will say this, the 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 writing is very melodramatic. Oh yeah. But the acting is actually pretty good. They do the best with with the material. Listen. Dean is not a good actor. No, he's not. <laughs> he's really not. He's hot. Sam is the much better actor between the two. <laughs> but all of them do pretty good jo- do pretty good jobs with the material that they're given. Like yeah. they never feel like they're being over the top. The, the words that come out feel a little over the top. And and above the mistress in blood written on the wall, it says "Be mine forever," uh, mm-hmm. which is what was written in the Valentine she gave him. Him, yeah. Which oh. is obviously supposed to be it's meant to implicate Axel, but nobody knows that that Valentine exists. So. Now tell us, Chris, why we were so positive it was not Tom. Okay. <sighs> we're going to talk about this, people. I really need to talk about this. This is the movie's greatest failing. <laughs> he goes down to the mines to tell, what's his the character's name? Ben or Bob or whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure who this man is. I know he has something to do with the mines because Tom talks to him a lot about. Uh, he's another shareholder, but he also works in them. He was, I think, he was the manager while Tom was away and after his dad died. But in any case, he goes down to the mines to tell him. This other guy takes him down there, and then they get attacked by Harry Warden, and then he gets locked in the cage by Harry Warden. He pries the thing, uh, the latch, so he can't get out, and. The dude gets killed. All the workers come down, and this is what gets Tom off the hook, is that when he gets 
interviewed by Axel and assaulted by Axel. The partner has to come in, the partner who, by the way, is Darwin from X-Men First Class, and says he couldn't have done it. He was locked in the cage. The the workers verified that. My informant confirmed that Tom was stuck in that cage when they came down. Somebody else was down there. We find out later that he locked himself in the cage using the pickaxe to pry it over from the inside. But we saw Harry Warden attack him, and we saw Harry Warden lock him in there. Now, I know he's supposed to be crazy, but at, he's not our point-of-view character. We see tons of shit from someone else's point-of-view. So why all of a sudden is this scene from his point-of-view? It's just to be convenient and have a twist. What a twist! And it really, really ruins the movie, especially since you're certain that Tom's innocent. Right. So when we have this amazing moment where Sarah is in the car with Tom and Tom is telling her Axel is Harry Warden. Axel is the killer. Axel's not who you think he is, Sarah. What are you saying? I'm saying I think he's responsible for what's going on. The murders. And then Axel calls her and says, Tom is Harry Warden. Tom is the killer. You need to get away from Tom now. I'm not sure if I know what you mean. Tom has been in a mental institute for the past seven years. He is not the guy you grew up with. Who is he? And she is in this moment if she doesn't know who to trust. She's in Tom's car. It could be a really tense moment, except everything the movie has showed us has proven to us that Tom is innocent. And so that that what could be a very stressful point of uh, a stressful scene isn't even though the person we're confident isn't the killer actually is what they could have done to make this better is not show us what happened in the mines that he goes down there with this guide and then the workers come down and then guy is dead he's locked in the cage and we could think oh he was locked in the cage so he couldn't have done it but we didn't see it So we don't have the utmost confidence. We just know what everyone else knows. That would have made that scene much more tense because I thought it was very well structured. But because of what came before, uh, it it wasn't very tense, which is a real lost opportunity for this movie, I feel. Yeah, at, at that point, because the rest of the movie, like you said, they do try to make you question if it's him, if it's Axel or Tom. I was just really frustrated at that point. Yeah. Because it was, like you said, from what we saw, there should be no question. Right. It should be Axel. So when they kept bringing up the question of whether or not it was Tom, I I just kind of lost my engagement because I'm like, well, fuck this movie. Like, at this point... I'm being told that it could be either, even though you've told me that it was this guy... And I, I just I feel frustrated as as a, an audience member. It's like it's like the sixth sense, right? That has a twist. What a twist! And every scene in that movie is either from Cole's point of view or the Doctor's point of view, two people that can see him, right? So we there are no inconsistencies with perspective. Mm-hmm. Versus this movie where you get scenes, it's it's third person omniscient. That's the point of view of this movie. And you can't tell me that, oh, he was hallucinating, so he saw that. When 
The point of view of the movie is third-person omniscient. We should know everything. Mm-hmm. We should know that that's not the case. Or just put it in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And that solves your problem. But real missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's probably the biggest failing of this movie. That and just the crazy adherence to things popping out, at the sc- out of the screen at you. There's also a scene where Harry Warden might be inside somebody's house and the sheriff just shows up. I real I wrote this down. I'm like, are they going to explain why the sheriff just showed up thinking that there's somebody in the house? Nobody was called. There well, were no house? noises. Sarah's house, I want to say. I don't remember this. Harry scene. Warden, it's, it's where the sheriff dies. I don't remember, remember this. he's walking around the porch and he looks over and he sees the miner's hat with the light on on top of a trash can and he turns around and he's not there. He looks back. He's not there. And he turns around again and Harry's there and he kills him. Um, he does the whole like pickaxe up through the bottom of the mouth comes out his mouth thing. A la until dawn. I don't know. I don't remember that. Really? Mm. It's a whole character dying. But you know what? I'm not surprised. Because nothing comes of it. There's no explanation for it. It really doesn't belong in the movie. They just needed to kill some people off. And that's the way they did it. It could have been much more economic with the way they killed people off. Putting it in certain scenes to make it make a little bit more sense and not have all that extra uh, gristle, I guess. There's a lot of a lot of deaths in this that are extremely like, oh, I'm not watching this in 3D. So this is not the effect they were planning on having on yeah. me. There were a couple things that were straight out of the original film, which I appreciated. Yeah, I actually wrote here, it's not really a remake. It takes the core premise, it mixes it up, and it drops a few references here and there. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, why am I not mad at this? Like, I wasn't mad at it. I was like, I'm kind of fine. They were definitely trying to make something new. Yeah, and it wasn't offensive in that way. Right. It didn't feel like they were taking things out and adding bullshit in. It felt like we we're taking the premise, we're going to make our own thing, and then for fans of the original, we're going to include right. some stuff. It seemed perfectly reasonable, and I was totally okay with it. Yes. I also see here, to go back to the whole hallucination thing, that I actually wrote, I like not knowing which one is is the killer while she's in the car, but we know it's not Tom, so it loses some of its mystique. And then I put in parentheses here, because the killer locked him in a cage. If they say that was a hallucination, so help me. <laughs> sure enough, that's what they did. <laughs> so then uh, they get to the house and she sees that Axel has set up, supposedly, all this stuff to show that, like, you know, I'm going to kill you, Sarah, or whatever. And that it was Axel. But Tom gives it away because he knows what was said in the card. And that's why it was said above yeah. the dead body. And she was like, how did you know? Or, right. It was one of those moments. The words that Megan wrote in her valentine, be mine forever. Those are the same words written in blood above her dead body. Isn't that right, Axel? I'm going to rip your fucking head off. How did you know that Megan was dead? You told me. No, I didn't. And then we have the hallucinations where he's like, he's right behind you. Like, so we know it's not him being malicious. He really is hallucinating. He really 
does occasionally think he's Harry Warden and can occasionally see him at the same time. They don't do a lot to explain the psychosis very well. But there is a cool moment. So, again, taken straight out of the original, he's coming through the mine shaft and he's blowing out the the lights with his pickaxe. Yeah. Every time he does that, it flashes to show Harry Warden. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. No, like the movie really does some neat stuff. Yeah. It also does something which is really cool. There's the classic standoff where Sarah has a gun and she doesn't know which one's the killer. Is it Tom? Is it Axel? Is it Tom? Is it Axel? And they're all like, shoot him. No, shoot him. You know, one of those things. Until Axel goes, you know what? (sighs) Fuck it. Shoot both of us. Just shoot both of us. I'll take the hit as long as you're safe. Right? And it's very sweet. And he's like, this is my job. It's what I should do. I need to protect Sarah. That's my primary focus. Fuck it. Just shoot us both. What? What? Yeah, just shoot us both. Do it. Come on. It's your only choice. You just shoot me, Sarah. You're still going to be down here with a killer. Problem is, I don't suddenly like Axel now. (laughs) Because he's a grade A asshole (laughs) so it's like yeah he does the right thing and it's a really cool moment that you don't see a lot in these standoff moments Mm -hmm. but it's wasted on a guy who's an asshole Mm -hmm. so like he they they sort of half-heartedly try to give him (laughs) half-hearted try to give him a redemption arc Mm -hmm. but it's not good enough i'm sorry he's awful Mm-hmm. I'm not suddenly going to be like, oh, their marriage is going to be just fine. <laughs> no, it's not going to be okay. Well, she apparently didn't give a fuck that he was cheating on her. So. Right. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I don't feel good about any of this. And it's not a good enough movie to leave me feeling shitty. You know, there are movies that are like, oh, man, I feel like shit after that. Like like Nightcrawler, for instance. I came out of that movie and I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to see that movie again. But I really enjoyed it because it was a very, like, high quality film, mm-hmm. even though it made me feel like shit. This was like, I don't like anybody but Sarah, I guess. <laughs> but it's not good enough to make me be OK with that feeling at the end of it. Oh, well. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but the ending is dumb. I agree. We also didn't talk about how Axel knows it must be Tom based on the evidence that he has because he knows Harry Warden is dead. Because the sheriff and the guy who ran the mines and a few other men actually found him after he woke up from his coma and killed the kids. Instead of, oh, he got away and we never found the body. That's the official story. They found him and killed him and buried him. And then when they go back, his body's not there. Where is his body? They never say. No, they do. They say Tom digs it up, but they yeah. don't say what happens to it. Oh, yeah. Like, where does he put it? Buried it somewhere else? Right. Like, they, they never it's, it's go a back to it. Plot point. It does nothing. It, to the all story. it does is verify that it could still be Harry Warden. You know, like, oh, no, we killed him. And now his body's gone. Fuck. You know, like it, it could be verification that it's not Harry Warden. That it's a new person. But then his body's not there. So like what would be more exciting in the story? Do you think going there and seeing that Harry Warden could still be alive or. Oh, my God, that's Harry Warden's body. Who is this new killer? What do you think would have been better? I think the only reason to have it be that his body is gone is if it's going to be Harry Warden. 
Yeah. When they first showed that, I was like, huh, maybe they're just going to have it be Harry Warden. That'd be, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, but they but, don't, they, they also never explain, like, I don't think, do you remember? Do they explain, they show Tom coming across the body and digging it up. Yeah. Do they ever explain how he knows it's there? No. They like, don't. I imagine maybe his dad told him. Maybe. To make him feel better. Because we find out that Tom was in a mental asylum while he was gone. Mm-hmm. And he left. I don't think he escaped. He just left. Yeah. Um, they don't really tell us. Yeah. It's it's kind of a mess there. Yeah. All right. A lot of messy things about this movie. Is there anything else you would like to talk about about My Bloody Valentine 3D, Kelsey? I think I've covered everything. All right. Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, you know what? Hold on. There is one thing I wanted to say. In the Four Birds moment at the shopping center, I also wrote, uh, with all the evidence that it's Axel, it better not be Axel at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So even though I said that, I was still frustrated that it was Tom. (laughs) Ugh. Well, since the original got a 50, I'm going to guess this got, I don't know, 39? 57. Oh, that is some fucked up bullshit. Well, I mean, that's the thing about reviews is you can't really compare one review to another review. It's real fucked up. Yeah, I know. This really shouldn't. Really, what should happen is that My Bloody Valentine from 1981 should have a higher score, but doesn't. This 57, do you think... Overrated or underrated? That's probably right around what I'd give it. Would you give it a 57? Right around there, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd give it higher if it didn't have all these problems. It has a lot of problems. But the concept I really like. The execution is pretty good. It's just all these holes and loose threads and and shit like that. Uh, The fucked up perspective. It's a real bummer. I feel like this could have been a good horror movie remake, but... Eh, ultimately, it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. So I, say, I stand by my whole, like, it's not something you have to see. It, I mean, if it's ever on TV and you want to watch it, sure. Yeah, go ahead and watch it. It's fun. But Especially if you've seen the original. Yeah, I mean, the original is so good. I, I highly recommend that you watch that. And then there's this. And it's just like, eh, I didn't need to yeah. see it. <laughs> I'd probably give it a straight up 50. The consensus is... This gory, senses-assaulting slasher film is an unpretentious, effective mix of old-school horror stylings and modern 3D technology. (laughs) All right, that was the double feature. The late-night double feature feature show. Of My Bloody Valentine and My Bloody Valentine 3D. Kelsey. (laughs) Yes. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching another double feature. The late night double feature feature show. Based on the recommendation of one of our listeners. Yeah, this comes from Brian. We'll call him Brian S. Uh, he wrote in to podcemetery at gmail.com, just like you can too, and recommended uh, that we do... Fright Night, which is exciting because I love the original Fright Night. I just never, I I just, it hadn't occurred to me to put it on our list yet. And so I'm excited. Love the original. I've only seen the new one once. And from what I remember, I did not really enjoy it, even though I really love Anton Yelchin. Yeah. And Colin, Colin Farrell is super hot from what I remember in this film. 
uh, because he he plays the Chris Sarandon vampire and he he does yeah. a pretty sexy job. Uh, but I still remember not really enjoying it. But I'm excited to see it because I've only seen it once. We'll give it another chance. Yes. Uh, Brian writes in uh, saying that in his opinion they ruined the new one that it, that they made it too much like Twilight. So we'll probably mention this comment again in next week's episode. But hearing that. I've only seen the remake once, and I don't remember anything about it <laughs> other than Anton Yelchin and Colin Farrell. Yeah, I don't even know like, who the that's... girl is played by. No. No idea. Well, we'll be excited to watch it. But we love the original Fright Night. Yes, so, so we're excited. Um, watch that one in preparation for next week's episode. And thank you to Brian for writing in. You also can write in at podcemetery at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at pod cemetery until next week my name is chris my name is kelsey and as we say at the end of every episode of pod cemetery happy fucking valentine's day (laughs) once upon a time on a sad valentine in a place known as Mine, a legend began Every woman and man would always remember the time And those who remained were never the same You could see the fear in their eyes Once every year as the 14th draws near There's a hush all over the town For the legend they say on a Valentine's Day is a curse That'll live on and on And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago Twenty years came and went And everyone spent the fourteenth In quiet regret And those still alive Know the secret survives In the darkness that looms in the night For the legend they say On a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago In this little town When the 14th comes round There's a silence and fear in the air Remember the morn that the legend was born All the shock and the horror was there For the legend they say on a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror From long time ago Uh, Our main guy, TJ, has a real, like, sorry. Sorry, Sorry. yeah, totally. He's he's sorry. I, yeah, I can't think of any other uh, boots, you know, like it's real obvious that he is Canadian. Um, they don't say a boot. <laughs> let's see. Um, they say a boat. Well, they it's say a boat. a boot. 
They do not. Nobody actually says a boot. People say a boot when you make funny when you make fun of them. They say a boat. We're gonna have to find a clip of him saying a boot. <laughs> I doubt I can. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the version that we saw was it on YouTube that we got it? No, it wasn't. I stole it. Uh, if you're watching the version that. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a car, would you, Chris? Is My... that bad? Should we cut that out? Oh, I might. Eloquent, Sheriff, you make us look like an inbred mining community. We are an inbred mining community, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> like, I still care about my exes. You can't. What? 